everybody. I'm glad you're here this morning. Join me in prayer and then we'll have our welcoming time today. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, just for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, to worship you with my brothers and sisters this morning and in giving and song and the preaching and teaching of your word today, Lord. We love you. I, I thank you for our, our calendar that's full of events coming up um, and, and I'm thankful for baptism today. I'm excited about that and uh, Lord, in all things, we just want to worship you and we love you. And we give you praise and glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
All right, you may be seated this morning. We get to start this morning off. Wish we could do this every Sunday. Baptism. Now, here's the deal. I'm not chickening out. Yeah, right. Maybe I am a little bit. <laughs> we're supposed to go to the river after services today. But we're in the middle of a drought, and the creek that we go to is very low, and I didn't want to bang his head on the ground. I mean, so... We got a nice warm baptistry here this morning. So I told him he could wait till spring or he could do it today. And he said, I want to get this done today, don't you? So Skylar, come on up here. All right, young man, you're going to walk up to the front and sit down right there. And they didn't fill it up too full because normally when they do this, we have like a tsunami of waves that come up up here. So you're going to sit down right there. All right. And you want to scoot up a little bit or I'm going to bang your head and knock you out. But these guys, these guys did tell me, Skylar, they've, they've, uh, they may have paid me a little bit to hold you under a little bit longer, Skylar. That's, so, that's what I heard. Yeah, that's what you heard. Okay. All right. So baptism is one of the two ordinances of the local church. It's extremely, extremely important. It's our first act of obedience. When we become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, in obedience... Submit to baptism. Baptism is also our outward profession of faith, our public profession of faith in an inner change that happened within us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. When we put our faith and trust in Him, we received the Holy Spirit. And now Skylar's coming this morning, making a public saying, Hey, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I want you all to hold me accountable as such, right? Because that is part of it. And teach Him and be there for Him. And so, Skylar, here's the deal. I want you to take the hand right here. Right there. I want to ask you, brother, and you need to answer me really loud uh, so everyone can hear you. Have you professed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Okay. On your profession of faith and in keeping with his command, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Congratulations. And this water is, this has a heater in it, it's warm. That is much better than going down to the river today, Skylar, I'm just saying. Congratulations. Don't electrocute yourself. You're going to go to heaven one day, but we don't want it to be today, Skylar, okay? All right. Okay, announcements. I love doing that. Baptism is extremely important. It, and so here's the, here's the deal on baptism. If you have questions about baptism, please come and talk to me or one of our elders of this church. I want to talk to you about it if you have questions about baptism or questions about salvation. Here's some announcements uh, coming up. Fall Fest is going to be here before we know it. Next week is Fall Fest, and the weather's supposed to be beautiful for Sunday afternoon. They have a sign-up sheet going around for a whole bunch of stuff. One of the things, one of the things at Fall Fest is a chili cook-off. So if you make really good chili, even really bad chili, I don't know. Sign up to, for the chili cook-off. Um, that's on the second page. They're also ha it's, Did Danny talk you into the cornhole tournament? It's Danny. It, it, Danny, where's Danny at? Is Danny here? You did, didn't you? I guarantee it. That guy's like the champion cornhole player, so nobody play Danny at this. There's a cornhole tournament that we have a signed up for. Danny, you're on my team, okay? You're representing me and you. All right. So uh, there's that. So that's next Sunday afternoon starting at 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock next Sunday afternoon. Is that time correct? I'm correct on the time, right? 
Where's Dana and the activities team? Yeah, 2 o'clock. Kickball. And is that for kids, adults, everyone? All right. We'll have an ambulance crew on standby. Cause, uh, so, so here's the deal. We're going to get real competitive with kickball and cornhole, and then we're going to play, be real nice, and we're going to sit around the fire with one another and make up after we have this big competition, right? Okay. So that is next, uh, next Sunday afternoon um, at Stephen Dana's 2401 Turnbow Road. Have a hayride, a bonfire, all sorts of food uh, for that. Our, our Happy Hallelujah Night is coming up very, very soon. We're doing it different this year. We're, we're having tables set up on the outside. So we, we were asking for eight people to sign up, or eight groups of teams to sign up to take a table and decorate it. Uh, Selena and I are doing one. What are we doing? Ezekiel's Bones, right? She's going to be Delilah, and I'm going to be Samson. You have to now, because I just announced it. I mean, I look like Samson. You're going to be Delilah. So we're dressing up that night as Samson and Delilah. So please encourage my wife to do so. So, so sign up. Yeah. Can I go over to someone's house for lunch today now? Right? So, so we're, that's a fun night. We're going to make it a fun night. Um, no, nothing scary, nothing, you know, anything like that. So it's a fun night. Please sign up for that. That's Wednesday night, October uh, 26th. Tommy, you sent me the softball game time. It's 8.15. Is that correct? 8.15. Last game of the year, right? They won again this week. So the only game they've ever lost in the history of is the game that I went to, right, Tommy? Yes. But they play Monday night at 8.15 on A Highway, uh, at the park on A Highway. So please come and do that. Operation Christmas Child, here's, uh, a, a, again, an opportunity to bring stuff in. We have Operation Christmas Child list. Uh, so bring stuff in for Samaritans first. We like to pack about 20 shoe boxes. Those will go out, what, the end of November? Where's Sierra? End of November? Yeah. End of November, those are going to go out. So... Also Wednesday night, come Wednesday on Wednesday night classes. I think we're having a really good class upstairs uh, on marriage. Uh, it's over the book of Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. It's been really, really good. We have dinner every Wednesday night with one another at 6 o'clock. And then our classes start at 645. We have kids classes, youth classes, and the adult class upstairs. So did I forget anything? Women, you have breakfast? 8.30 a.m. this Friday, ladies, prickly cactus for breakfast and coffee and tea or whatever. Men's Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. Yes. The media team. Yes, so it's media team at crossbridgechurch.net. So veterans, uh, we're going to be doing something special for Veterans Day this year in November. So please, if you served, please send a picture of when you were in service to that. And maybe we'll try to guess who the person is. I don't know. We may do something like that. We may have something fun with it that morning. But please send And we have something for the oldest veteran. We also that. There's a surprise for that. So anything else on that? Media team at crossbridgechurch.net. Okay. And you could also email it to the info at crossbridgechurch.net if you have to. The media team gets that also, right, Dave? You get, no, I get it, but I'll forward it to you. Okay. Let me write this down. November 6th, 
from one to four, pottery for the ladies. Okay. Ladies, if you want, and what date is that on, Pat? Is that, what day is that on? Sunday afternoon, November 6th. Ladies, you guys can come and make pottery while the guys stay home and watch the Chiefs lose that day. I mean when, I mean when. I meant when, I, I misspoke. I'm going to get all the misspeaking out of the way right now before I preach, okay? They don't play between one and four. That's why they're having the event, ladies, at that time. I love it. We got to get our priorities in line around here, right? Okay, anything else this morning that I forgot? I'm way ahead of myself and in trouble already enough. Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's take up our morning offering and we'll have our worship time before we get into God's word together uh, today. So let's bless our morning offering. Lord Jesus, I thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, to worship you. Lord, this is an act of worship to you. We give what's yours. This is yours anyway, and Lord, be good stewards this morning of what is yours. So bless it, use it to further your kingdom around the world, God. We love you and thank you. In your name I pray, amen.
Thank you guys. That last song I requested this morning. Kids, uh, second grade and below can go downstairs to Children's Church this morning. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. 
Ephesians chapter 6. If you would, please remain standing. Let's honor God's word together. I like to do that. So while you're turning there, my good buddy Jody, we look after one another, right? My good buddy Jody, when I got down from announcing, she said, you've got to be unreasonable with Selena, right? I mean, I didn't really give her a choice, did I? I mean, I kind of told her we're going to be Samson and Delilah, right? So I think the choice is, uh, Samson and Delilah thinks a good choice. But I think we could also say that, you know, she could be, I could be David and she could be Bathsheba when they first met. I think that's a good, that's a fair choice. I think she'll probably go with Samson and Delilah, right? I'm in a lot of trouble now, guys. <laughs> a lot of trouble. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. If you don't know that story, go read it. This is the book of 1 Samuel today. You'll see why everyone's laughing. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. It says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let us pray together again. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, again for the opportunity to be here this morning, Lord, and to worship with my brothers and sisters, God. And Lord, I pray that you just bless our time today. Lord, I pray that we're, we, we put on the helmet of salvation that's in you that protects our mind. And we aren't wavering, we aren't double-minded, we're, we're steadfast in our salvation in you and what it means. And we protect our minds from the evil that Satan will try to attack. It's in your name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So, there's a reason why I ask Ace to play that song. Um, I, I wanted to remind us this morning uh, of victory in Christ, of victory in Jesus that we have. And many times, I think, as we're going through here, we think that we're fighting a defensive battle and that we're trying to, to, to make sure that we aren't defeated. Guys, we aren't defeated when you're in Christ. We are fighting from victory. If you read the end of the story here, we have victory in Christ. There's not defeat, there's victory. We win. So we have to remember that as we're going into this battle, this fight against evil, that we have victory. So I want to do a recap from actually two weeks ago. Last week we talked about something very, very important and how Satan attacks us. That He, he shoots flaming darts at us. Uh, and one of those flaming darts is unforgiveness. And, and we talked about that. Two weeks ago, I want to do a recap, though, on where we were in the whole armor of God. And we talked about the shield of faith. Uh, that everybody is going to put their faith and trust in something. Everyone's going to. Muslims, they put their faith and trust in Muhammad. They believe in Muhammad. Mormons put their faith in Joseph Smith. Christians, we put our faith and trust in Christ. A lot of people put their faith and trust in themselves, that they, they worship themselves or they think that they can be good enough to be saved. Our faith is rooted in the facts about who Jesus is. 
It's not rooted in our emotions or our feelings. Emotions come and go. Our feelings can change based upon our surroundings. Our faith also has nothing to do with the probability of appearances. I talked about David a minute ago. It was absolutely not probable or had the appearance that that young man could have defeated Goliath. But yet he did. He did. He acted on faith in God and it all worked out. So, here we are. What we think about and what we put in our mind is what we become spiritually. What we become, what we think about. The battle with temptation and sin for us, where does it start? It starts with a thought. It first starts in your head, in your mind. And what happens? A lot of times, that thought then leads to action. And then what happens with the action? It leads to having a habit when you continually start to sin and give in to that. So it, 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 it starts right here. It all starts in our mind, and that's what the helmet of salvation protects. We can't keep ourselves from having bad thoughts. We just can't. There's no way that you're ever going to be able to go through your whole life without having a bad thought. But if you linger there and you don't turn that thought over to Christ and you linger there, it can ultimately end up in sin. It leads to action, it leads to sin. And then what happens each time you give in to that and you give in to the sin, what happens to it? It starts to become your master and it enslaves you. And then you are enslaved to your sin. So thought leads to action, action leads to habits. That's what happens. Um, we can't choose those random thoughts that come to our mind, but we can certainly choose what we dwell upon. We can choose what we dwell upon. From the beginning to end, we, we start to justify our sin in our own eyes. If we only would look at our sin the way that God looks at our sin. Many times when we sin, we like to call it an accident or a mistake. God calls sin an abomination. That's how he takes it very, very serious. We have to remember why we're putting on this armor. Because this is war. What is the primary target? Your head. Your primary target is your head. Body armor is all great in battle. But if you get hit in the head, it's lights out. It's bye-bye. You're done. So it's a primary target. What did it look like? Why was Paul talking about the helmet of salvation? He's using the illustration of a Roman soldier. A Roman soldier's helmet was made of bronze. It was, it was very beautiful. In fact, it would have decorations on it. It was extremely noticeable. If there was a Roman soldier walking through a crowd, you could tell it was a Roman soldier by what he had on his head, by his helmet. It had a leather strap that went around his chin that kept it in place. So he, wasn't, he didn't go anywhere without it, and he would definitely never fight without it being on his head. Paul calls it, in our passage, the helmet of salvation. Which means, first part that it tells me, that our salvation in Christ should be the most beautiful, noticeable part of who we are. People should be able to look at us and see they are a totally different person because of their salvation in Christ. That should lead to conversations that we have with people. And we should carry that. It should be something, our salvation in Christ, that goes with us everywhere we go. And we should certainly never want to leave our house without it. People should notice a difference in you once you are saved, when you become a follower of Christ. The Bible calls us what? 
strangers or pilgrims in a foreign land. We're ambassadors for another country. As much as I mentioned this, I remember talking about this in July, around the 4th of July and Independence Day. We have an American flag here. I love our country, but as much as, and, and we're going to celebrate our veterans who served this great country. But I want to tell you, this is not our home. This is not our home. Our home is in eternity in heaven. So uh, it's a totally different, we're foreigners in a land. We're ambassadors for another land. And, it's, and this isn't a legalistic view to think that Christians should be different. Being different is not about hypocrisy. You know what hypocrisy is? Hypocrisy or, or, or is putting on a, a, a mask of being a hypocrite is literally putting on a mask and pretending to be something that you're not. It would be like being an actor. We're not that. that, shouldn't, that should, we, it shouldn't be just putting on something and, well, I'm a Christian when I go to church. No, no, no. It should be a true inner difference in your life. The salvation that you have in Christ should impact every area of your life. Salvation itself involves our mind. Belief and faith is a matter of our heart, of the inner person of who we are, and our mind. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action. When, when I talk about repentance, when we talk about biblical repentance, it's a change of mind about who Jesus is and about our sin. That we agree with God about our sin. That our sin deserves a death penalty. That we deserve a penalty because of our sin. But we put our faith and trust in who Jesus is. That's when salvation happens. It's not by doing anything. It's not by works. It's literally by a change of mind that leads to a changed life. Because when you become a follower of Christ, when I baptized Skyler this morning, what did I say? You're, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are going to hold you accountable as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should hold each other accountable because we're supposed to be followers of Christ. Repentance is a lot more than just regretting that you've sinned. Or that you've even got caught. It is much more than self-pity. It's when we change our mind about our sin and desire to change our life through Christ. That is biblical repentance. What is changing your mind? What does that do? It helps us grow for one, one thing. 2 Peter 3.18 says that. It says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, glory both now and forever. Amen. So changing our mind helps us grow in our faith. It helps us grow in Christ and the knowledge of who he is. One of the most famous verses about our mind is Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Philippians 2, 5, another verse about mind. And I know I'm going through these fast, but they're up there. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Having the mind of Christ. When you read his word, you get more knowledgeable about who Jesus is. And then what starts to happen? You start handling situations like Christ would handle them. We used to, I had these bracelets on praying for Hudson. I know he's doing a lot better, but you guys remember, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, they came out with all the WWJD bracelets, right? They didn't stand for what would Jeff do, it was what would Jesus do, right? And it was supposed to be a reminder for you of like, hey, how would Christ handle this situation? How would his word tell me to handle this situation? 
That is what literally this is talking about. As you grow in your relationship with Christ, you start handling situations in your life like Christ would handle them according to his word. And, and you're growing. Listen, a lot of places, a lot of, a lot of uh, churches, and I say that loosely, would emphasize heart and emotions alone. And exclude our mind, exclude the thoughts of your mind. They uh, equate spirituality with feeling, get real emotional. We should love facts. We should get emotional about the facts of who Jesus is. Oh, we, we should be excited knowing who Jesus is. When I read his word, is there ever a time when you're just reading God's word and it brings you to tears? That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That means your mind is changing about what Jesus did for you. You can also do this by watching, I mean, even, even watching uh, Passion of the Christ. If you've ever watched Passion of the Christ, it's a movie that you can watch and go, man, I can't believe Jesus did that for me. He did that for me. That's an emotional thing when you have the facts of who Jesus is. The Word of God should be what is feeding our mind. And what happens when you're feeding your mind with God's Word, it starts to enrich your soul and change your life. And you start, you start living differently. A lot of people... They choose to where to worship based upon how emotionally charged they feel when they're there, regardless of what's being taught. As long as I can come and have a really emotional time, and let's get, you know, ACDC up here doing the worship songs, right? And, and who said, ah, who did that? That's Ace. Oh, Ace. Our worship, I'm just teasing. Uh, seriously, though, they, they'll, they'll like, get a rock concert going and let's make ourselves really emotional but then what comes from the truth of what they believe is garbage. Like, that's not how we should do things, right? That's not how we should look at things. It should be, what do they teach? Are they teaching things biblically? What is the mission goal? And then, do I have an emotional connection to this body? There are certain things that should just be no-brainers or just like disqualifying factors if you're looking for fellowship in a local church. To truly live as a Christian, what do we have to do? We have to think like a Christian. Our mind has to be changed. You are what you think. That's why we put on the helmet of salvation. Now, what does this helmet of salvation protect us from? There's three things I want to cover uh, today that Scripture tells us. Number one is a divided mind. James chapter 1, verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So, what does that mean? It means looking in two different directions at the same time. It means having your focus on two different things at the same time. We have to have, you think, well, that's impossible. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Jesus talks about it multiple times. Scripture talks about it multiple times in Scripture. It's, it's like having divided loyalties or split allegiances, multiple goals. We, what happens when you have a double-minded man or you're divided in your mind is you try to go both ways at the same time and you don't get anywhere. It's like being half-hearted. Which is better, to do a couple of things well or do many things poorly? Kind of like the same thing. You try to be in two different places. We live in a multitasking society. We all have to multitask all the time. And a lot of times we are capable of doing more uh, than one thing. But here's where it becomes wrong and sinful, according to Scripture. 
when we're trying to have a dose of Jesus, but also a dose of the world at the same time. When you have one foot in for Christ, but you, you have one foot in with the world. What does Joshua say? I say, I challenge this at every single wedding that I do. I've done two of them so far this month. Got one couple here. The other couple's on their honeymoon. Got another one we're doing at the end of the month. I always challenge the men in the service to, to, to take to heart what Joshua says in the book of Joshua. Where he, where he says, choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua says, decide who you're going to serve. When you're double-minded and, and divided, you don't choose. You're trying to serve both. We call those fence riders. I also have personal little, little names for them, like CEOs. You guys have heard me use the term CEO. You know what that stands for? Christmas, Easter only. Churches are full on Christmas and Easter only, aren't they? Right? Double-minded, fence riding. Scripture says, get on or get off. Get in or get out. A mix of both sides results in what? Lukewarm Christianity. You're lukewarm. You guys know where I'm going with this passage? Yeah, you're going to hear in a second. It's found in Revelation chapter 3. This is a picture of many Christians with divided minds. And you can say, why don't you just sell out for Christ? Why don't you just give him everything in your life and say, God, what you have is mine. What I have is yours. You just take, take it. And, and, and a lot of times the answer you get, because I just, I don't want to give up my sin. And in reality, what they're saying is, I'm just not done serving the devil and what I want to do. Well, why don't you just go and serve the devil? Well, because one day I might decide to become a follower of Christ and get real. They're just unstable. It's divided. And a divided mind comes with wrong thinking. Not wearing the helmet of salvation, getting our mind protected from the enemy, and not staying in tune with God. So here's what I think. If I really believe that Jesus gave everything for me, and he died for me, and he gave up everything for me, does he not deserve my best back? Not to be saved, but because of what he did for me. You know what I'm sharing the gospel with lost people? I always use it like a courtroom case. And I, and I usually try to say it like this. I say, you know, let's say that I, I've racked up a whole bunch of speeding tickets, which is not out of the realm of possibility. But I rack up a whole bunch of speeding tickets. And I've appeared before one of the judges, and he says, you are a notorious speeder, and your fine is $100,000. And I'm like, I do not have $100,000. And he said, well, you're going to jail then. Is this, you're going to get punished for this. But then, one of you all from the back of the room walk up and lay $100,000 down on the judge's bench. What can he do with me? He can let me go. He can say, you're guilty, but I'm going to just, you're, you're free to go. Because they already paid your fine, right? Now, if that person did that for me, what do you think I'm going to do with that person? I'm going to love them. I'm going to care for them. I'm going to serve them. Because they kept me out of prison. You guys, listen. If we really believe, if you really believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he took your punishment, shouldn't that drive every single one of us to serve him for the rest of our life here because he gave us everything? When we're double-minded and we have one foot in, that's not what happens. He deserves far better 
than me living a life on the fence with one foot in and one foot out, which is honestly just miserable any, anyway. Because if you have just a little bit of Jesus, you can't really enjoy what the world has. But then if you have just a little bit of the world, you really can't enjoy what Christ has given you. And you're miserable. This is what it says in Scripture. Turn to Revelation chapter 3. We talked about this, I don't know, it's been a while ago. You guys probably don't remember my sermons like I do because I'm preaching them. But Revelation 3, 14 through 22 is I remember talking about this. 14 through 22. It says, And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write the words of Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich, I have prospered and need nothing, not realizing you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and, dis- and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I, have, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. And if you're his sheep, you hear his voice. And you open the door. Listen, that is, he's, he's, he's rebuking them in this passage. He's getting after them because they have one foot in with the world and one foot in with the kingdom. If he's knocking at the door of your soul, folks, you got a choice. You either shut the door or you open it to him and you give him your life. You know, this is what's sad. I, 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 I read this. I looked at this this week. Do you know who owns, anyone know who owns the lar- largest printing press in, in, out of all the religious organizations? Anybody know? They print about 500 pieces of literature per second. Anybody, any guesses? The Jehovah Witnesses. 500 pieces of literature. They are deceived and deluded, double-minded, but they are absolutely sold out for their cause. How many of us hide from them when they come and knock on the door? Like they have the truth and we don't. Knock on hundreds of doors. Mormons, they knock on more doors than anybody. They have missionaries. 500 hours is estimated to put in door knocking before they see a single convert. Yet today, they're starting a new church roughly every day around the world. They're totally wrong but they're sold out for their cause. And we have the truth. We have the truth. Are you sold out for the cause? We have the truth. When we put on the helmet of salvation, it tells us that Jesus deserves my best, my all. That without him, I wouldn't be here. That I don't need to live my life focused on myself or worrying about things in myself. I need to just serve him. 
put my life in his hands. Satan wants to divide our mind. So we look there and we look here. And you guess what? Instead of keeping our eyes on Christ. And we get all jambled up in a mess. Colossians 3.1 says, Since then you have been raised to new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. What should be our focus? Eternity. Eternity. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give everything you need. That's a question. I'll never forget it. You know, like two years ago, and somebody will stay with me till I die. Stroop was up here. Me and Stroop are good buddies. We talk about it every week. He was up here hammering down one Sunday during Freeway Sunday. We're going to have it in a couple months. He was hammering down. He, he asked this question. And I ask myself this all the time. It's a question that we have to ask, keep asking ourselves. He said, whose kingdom are you trying to build? Are you trying to build yours? Or are you trying to build Christ? That's something I have to ask myself all the time. Whose kingdom am I trying to build? The helmet of salvation protects us from being, having a divided mind. Having your focus on Christ. Here's the second thing. All right, I'm going to get through it. It's a deceived mind. It's being deceived. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He, he uses, he talks about how Satan deceived Adam and Eve. How does Satan deceive our minds? He wants to twist Scripture. If you go back and read what he's talking about in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, I'm not going to for the sake of time, but what does he do? Satan didn't deny God's word. He just what? Cast doubt upon it. He tried to twist it and he cast doubts upon it. In verse 4 in that passage, I encourage you to read it this afternoon, there's open denial. In verse 5, now you see there's an outright lie to God's word. Here's what happens with a deceived mind. You start on a slippery, slippery slope, right? And it gradually, you start going down. And then soon you hit a huge drop-off. It happens with our kids. Somebody puts a doubt in their mind. Maybe it's a friend who's an atheist. Maybe it's a college professor. I don't know. We, they put a doubt in their mind, and they start going down a path. And then sooner or later, they say, I never was a Christian anyway. And they profess atheism. It's a slippery, slippery slope. Satan's goal is to twist to corrupt the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. To corrupt our devotion to the Lord. You don't think this happens? Oh, brothers and sisters, it happens. Satan's going to fill your calendar with all sorts of stuff to keep you from being in, in the Word. From keep you from being with your brothers and sisters in Christ. To keep you from serving the Lord. I see it. I see it all the time. Look at our calendars, how full we get from using what God has given us to serve the kingdom. When we let Satan fill our schedules up and not serve the kingdom, you know whose kingdom we're serving then? Our own. Our own. I say this this morning, I've seen it with my own kids. I've seen it with these two young men's baseball team this summer. I don't have a problem telling you this from the pulpit, right? And if families get offended to hear it, I don't care. It's just truth. About half their baseball team this year. They had a pretty good baseball team. I coached their football team. They're 4-1. and one. 
We smoke Knicks at 38 to 6. We got a good football team. They're pretty good in baseball, too, right? And you know what we do? His dad, Price's dad, is one of Hunter's best friends. He's a deacon over at Faith Southern. We don't schedule baseball tournaments on Sundays. We don't schedule baseball games on Wednesdays. We make sure our kids are in church, serving the Lord, because that's the most important thing. Well, we got half his baseball team this year quit and decided to join a bunch of traveling teams that they're going to be gone every single weekend for like 18 weeks in a row from the spring all the way through the summer. It's devastating. You know what you're doing? You know what we do when we do that, church? We're teaching our kids that Christ isn't important. They're going to learn, well, we can have a devotion at the field. Oh, that's a good way of excusing sin away. That's what it is. I get tired of hearing that. Well, we're going to do this. No, no, you're teaching your children. We're teaching our kids, hey, I love you boys, but none of you are Albert Pujols right now, okay? I'm just being serious. They're good ball players, but I'm sorry to break some bubbles. Now, if they work hard enough, God can do anything, right? But what I teach my kids is that Christ is the most important thing. And we're not going to play baseball on Sunday morning, or we're not going to play whatever. That's what I'm talking about. That's deceiving their minds of what's important when we're followers of Christ. And we're letting it creep in. We're letting it creep in. We just are. And it happens. Deception, well, it's okay. You can still, you can still live like the world and love Jesus. That's not what God's Word says. Jesus says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. He says, die to yourself to live for him. This is a tough sermon, folks. I'm sorry. It is on me, too. It just is. Here's the last thing. This is what can happen. A discouraged mind. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. This is a parallel passage. This is a parallel passage. Hope in who Jesus is. Hope in God's word isn't wishful thinking. It's an unwavering confidence in God. It's a hope that you've already been found and received. It's a hope that, that is it's there. It's not going anywhere. Listen, when we lose hope, when you lose hope, you lose, every, you lose the battle. What do we do when we go to war? I remember in, in 1990, they even called it this. It was a great name for it. They called it shock and awe. What do you do? You absolutely decimate and overload an enemy with all sorts of bombs. I mean, you, you just send everything at the kitchen sink at them right away, and then you know what happens to them? They're like, we are not going to win this. And that's why, if you remember, in 1990, hundreds of thousands of Iraqi troops, what did they do? Surrendered. They surrendered. They didn't want to fight anymore, right? Well, when you give up and you lose hope, you might as well throw in the towel. Because victory isn't something that comes from without, from out, it comes from within. We have, that's why I had him sing it. We have victory in Christ. We win. We win. I love this quote. How many of you know who General Chesty Puller is? A couple of you? I know Brian would. Well, we have a young lady. Mike's daughter's going through Marine Corps boot camp right now. She's about ready to graduate and come back here. Chesty Puller was a famous Marine Corps general. At the end of every night, he'd say, Good night, Chesty, wherever you are. But he was the commander of the 1st Marine Division in Korea. 
And they were surrounded by 22 Chinese divisions. And this is is his quote. He said, all right, I quote, all right, they're on our left, they're on our right, they're in front of us, and they're behind us. They can't get away this time. And he fought, they fought their way out. Listen, we're surrounded by evil. We're surrounded by a, a corrupt and a debased mind that Satan is controlling, absolutely controlling our world. They can't get away now. We're surrounded. That has to be our attitude. Not one of losing hope, but an attitude that a, a Christian soldier should have with a mind guarded by the helmet of salvation. When you see a believer give up, you know that that decision was preceded by wrong thinking. Well, there ain't no use praying. It doesn't do any good anyway. No use inviting anyone to church. There's no use. It's wrong thinking. Instead of getting their mind protected by salvation, lift your head up in victory. Put on the helmet of salvation. Now, here's the amazing thing. One day in heaven... We're going to trade the helmet of salvation for what? A crown of righteousness. It's going to go on our head. And then what? guess what? Not long, we're going to lay it at the feet of Christ. That's amazing. I'm going to ask our worship team to come this morning. What does this helmet of salvation protect us from? A divided mind. A deceived mind. And a discouraged mind. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're discouraged. Listen, I, I hope I didn't discourage you this morning. I hope I encouraged you to draw closer with your brothers and sisters in Christ, to draw strength from them, to draw strength from the Lord by knowing the truth of who He is. This morning, this is a battle over our thoughts, of what we think, about what we believe. I love the verse where it says, Jesus is standing And knocking at the door. Here's the question. Are you going to open it? Are you going to open it? I'm asking you to stand this morning. If you need to come, I encourage you to come this morning. I encourage you to come. Protect your family, yourselves. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning for our time together to worship you, to talk about the helmet of salvation. Lord, I, I, I pray, Lord, for this church that we... We stand on the truth of who you are. We preach the truth of who you are. We don't waver from that. We're not double focused. We, Lord, we just stand on who you are. And our salvation, our hope is in you and nothing else. And Lord, I pray this morning when we get discouraged that we don't let it sink in. We, we confess it to one another. We help one another. We're there for one another. Lord, I pray this morning if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, today will be the day that they get down on their knees and confess you. They put their faith and trust in you. They realize their sin has violated you and it deserves a punishment. It is their wage. Their wage that they deserve because their sin is death. But you loved them and went to the cross and died for them. I pray, Lord, they believe that today. And God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
So Michael, come on up here with your boys, Michael and Stephen and Joseph, and um, I want to I say, yeah, give him a hand. I want to say real quick, Dylan and Brittany just came up here this morning, and uh, they, they came up and they said, we want to profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so, yep, that's an amazing thing, but here's what I do, church, this is, what I, this is why we got to do this. I, I, I'm going to have a meeting with them right after services, right on the side classroom. Because I want to make sure that they understand who Jesus is and what he did. And they have a full understanding when they do this. Because what I don't want to happen is somebody to come forward. Not that they are, but somebody to come forward and not really understand. And then th- them say a prayer. And then them put their faith and trust in that, in the prayer, and not who Jesus is. So when somebody says, hey, I want to be baptized. I want to believe in who Jesus is. They automatically get a meeting with me, which I love that. Uh, and so I'm excited for them. I wanted you all to know that, that I'm going to be meeting with them after church. And then probably next Sunday, they're going to come back up here and you're going to get to shake their hands. But that's exciting things for the church this morning when that happens. This is also exciting. You guys have seen this guy and his boys around uh, quite a bit over the last several months. Well, what, six months probably? Six months, yeah. He moved back here from Kansas City uh, and is living over in the Elkland area and wants to become a part of this church. I had lunch with him one day and we had a great visit and uh, he's, he's a baptized follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and wants to join this church. So give him a big uh, hand. Yep. And um, yeah, we're going to be talking to the boys uh, also, but this family has an amazing testimony. I'll let him share that sometime, uh, of how, how God has worked in his life. And we spent about an hour uh, eating lunch with one another and just visiting. It was a great day. Do you have anything, Michael, you want to say? No? Okay. All right. So uh, I want you to come around and congratulate him this morning. Welcome him in. On that note, the new member class. So when is our next new member class starting? I should have had an announcement. The first Sunday in November... We will start a new new member class. It'll be downstairs uh, in the kitchen area during Sunday school from 9 to 10. So if you have questions about joining this local body of believers, come and talk to me. Please come and talk to me. Uh, send me an email or send me a text or just walk up and say, hey, I need to talk to you about membership. So uh, we, we'll, we will get that done. So here's the benediction for today. I want you guys to stay up here so they can come around and, and welcome you in. It's 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. And this is what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's an amazing piece of hope that we have in Christ. That is hope that we have in Christ. I pray today as you leave here that you guard your mind with your salvation that you have in Christ. 
and you guard your families and your children because Satan is going to try to attack it. And be ready, be ready for the fight, but know that we have what ace? Victory in Jesus, right? Come around and welcome Michael. Let's close the prayer. I'm going to ask, uh, I, this guy travels a lot, and I just love seeing him. Ross, would you close us in prayer this morning? Thank you, young man. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for today, and thank you for this wonderful message, Lord, that spoke to our hearts, Lord God, and just uh, to, to guard our, our minds and our hearts, Lord God. Father, I pray that today you just uh, bless each and every fun family that's here, Lord, and I pray that you just take us uh, away safely, Lord God, and just bring us back um, at any appointed time, Lord God. We love you, and we thank you, and just say pray. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great day. I'm going to a meeting right now, so I'm not going to shake your hands, but I love you, and you guys have a great day. Savior.